0: You're listening to an audio sermon by pastor bernard Mulder from household of christ we trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the word of god this morning i want to minister what god requires we often will tell god what we require of him we always want to tell god what we need from him god is who he is and god will never fail us god will never fail us because god is God, But oftentimes we want to tell God what we want of Him. But have you taken the time to ask, what does God require of me? Remember, we find ourselves trapped in two worlds. The world that we can see and the unseen world. A world where there's truth and falsehood. And this is the battle of all ages. Where we find ourselves in as a person that's born again. God wants you to feel at home in the unseen so that what you look at and what you see with your natural eyes will not influence what you believe. So God wants us to feel at home in the unseen world, that you will live by faith and not by sight so that the things that you look at will not influence what you believe about God. The Bible teaches us That we have to be ready when Jesus comes. Christ made two statements that we should really take to heart as Christians. The first one that I want to mention is John chapter 4. When Jesus said, the time is coming. And that time is now. That the true worshippers will worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. He says, if it's not spirit, then it's not truth. It says there's a requirement that God is looking, he is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not those that are drawing close with their mouths, but those that are drawing close with their hearts. And Luke 18 verse 8, Jesus said another thing. He said, when he returns to this earth, will he really find faith? says, nevertheless, will he really find faith? It means that we'll be able to see something that will look like faith, but it will not be real faith. It says, people will be worshiping, they will be singing songs, but it will, be, will it be true worship? And as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that God requires of me? Faith lifts you up above your senses when God speaks to you it gives you a word it lifts you up above your senses what you are seeing when it feels like you're going under the word of God will say you're not going under you're going over and faith lifts you up when you feel you're the tail faith in your heart the word of God will prompt you tell you you're not the tail you're the head you're not going under you're going over What God requires of us is to trust Him completely without demanding any evidence. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. This is the kind of faith that we talk about. Remember, Hebrews 11 teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith, now faith is that evidence, it's the substance, the things that we are hoping for. And many people say, what is that substance? But the substance is Jesus Christ himself. Turn to the person next you and say, that substance, the proof that I need is Jesus Christ himself. Remember, we worship God in spirit and in truth. We worship the invincible God of power and might. Jesus, when he met with the woman and he said, This is what's required before that, he said, You are drinking natural water. But if you know the person that's standing in front of you, you will know that he can supply living water to you. The greatest concern for the church right now is she just busy singing songs. Or is she truly worshiping God in spirit and in truth? The church, is she really in faith? Hebrews 4 teaches us. Turn there quickly. Hebrews 4 verse 12. And it talks about the word of God. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Can you see that the word of God has got the ability to cut in between your soul and your spirit to show you whether you are in the spirit, or whether you are in your soul. God wants you to serve him, to love him with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. But when it comes to worshiping him, it's required that it's done in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, will I really find faith? Will I really find faith? What is he saying? He's saying, will it be a faith that comes from your mind? Many people today, when they serve Jesus, they serve Jesus from here. They want everything to make sense from here. But what God requires for us is to serve him from here. Can you see the need to be born again? When you are born from God, born from above, the first work of the Holy Spirit is to regenerate your spirit. Generate your spirit. Your spirit is your heart part. We serve God. We love God with all our heart. Many people say, I want to see God. I wonder if God is in that place. Have you ever said that? I want to see God. But the promise is given to those with a pure heart. Matthew 5, verse 8, the New Living Translation says, God blesses those with a pure heart. And those are the ones that will see God. Can you see the need to keep your heart pure? Christianity lies in the purity of our hearts. And Jesus came to sanctify your heart, the Holy Spirit to help you to worship God in spirit and in truth. A desire to live a holy life. True success comes from the inside. True success comes from having God on the inside of you. That peace that God gives you on the inside. So what is it that God requires of us? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalm 51. Turn to the person next to you say, get ready to see God. Tell them again, say, get ready to see God. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, it's the Spirit... That gives life. It's the spirit that gives life. Romans 8 gives us or shows us that the Holy Spirit that brings life will even bring life into your mortal body. It says the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life to change everything about you. So what is it that God requires of us Remember, David was a man like you and me. He, he messed up big time. As a matter of fact, David was a passionate sinner, but he was a passionate repenter as well. Today, people don't do anything with passion anymore. They When they sin, it's like, I don't really think that's wrong. Do you, is that wrong? No, I don't think. And then when they have to say sorry to Jesus, they're all like, um, okay, if it was wrong, I'm sorry, Jesus. But David, he was a passionate sinner. I mean, when he sinned, he didn't just commit adultery, he killed the husband as well. (laughs) That's hardcore. Yet God calls him the apple of his eye. Why? Because David, when Nathan came to him and said, David, I want to tell you a story. There's a man who owned a lot of lambs and a person who had only one And this person took the little one and he killed it. David got angry and he said, this man should die immediately. It's wrong what he has done. And Nathan said to him, David, you are that man. You are the guilty one. David didn't say, I'm the king. How dare you speak to me like that? David immediately dropped his king's cloak, fell on his knees and he said, Lord, I've sinned against you and you alone. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me, O Lord. My heart has deceived me. I've sinned, O Lord. In Psalm 51, you can go read the whole Psalm. But David says in verse 6, he says, what does God require? He says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know Wisdom, He said, God, I know you want me to worship you in spirit and in truth. The truth is I've sinned. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me with your blood and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Amen? Verse 17. Well, let's read verse 10 first. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me says Lord come and sanctify my heart cleanse my heart I want to see God God requires purity in the innermost part of you and of me our hearts to be pure he prayed he said Lord create in me a pure heart family listen to me Everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes people make huge mistakes. When you make a mistake, run to God immediately and ask him for forgiveness. Drop your king's cloak, the thing that you think makes you above that what you have done wrong. Fall on your knees and say, Lord, please forgive me. Because as a Christian, to be ready for the Lord Jesus Christ's second coming... Purity of heart must be kept. Remember, David knew he was not a giant slayer. David knew that he was not a giant slayer, but he knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposed of giants. He knew he had to walk with God. As a Christian, what God has done for you and for me is not something that you can understand with your mind, but you need revelation That God has disconnected you from your past and all sins. All the sins, all the mistakes that you have made, Jesus Christ has died for those sins. He has disconnected you from that unrighteousness so that you can become Christ's righteousness. That you have to believe. Your mind cannot reason that out. By faith, you have to believe it. He who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That means Christ's ability has now become your ability. Christ's strength has become your strength. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is the light of my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. He doesn't say, The Lord is giving me strength. I'm getting stronger. He said, The Lord is the strength of my life because I'm linked up with God. You need revelation to understand the deep work that God has done on the inside of you to change your nature. Be like God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 John 3, verse 9. I'm going to have to read this because some of you won't believe it's written in the Bible. 1 John 3, verse 9. Are you born again? Are you linked up with God? Have you allowed His ability to become your ability? Look here what the Bible says. 1 John 3 verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. I'm just reading the Bible. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. Can you see? His seed is a capital letter. It talks about Christ. His seed remains in him. And he cannot sin. Because he has been born of God. Family, listen to me. You're a three part being spirit, soul, body. Your spirit part is the part that is linked up with God, it's the part that's born again. Because God is spirit. That part is linked up with God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. His seed that's been planted on the inside of you. The incorruptible word of God. Jesus cannot sin. That part is linked up with God. You're a son of God. Why? Because you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Not being led by your thoughts or your flesh. The spirit part is the part that's linked up with God. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, We can enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Right now when we worship, we can come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help because of this part that's linked up with God. The Jesus part. Jesus said, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given them that the world can believe. I'm in them and they are in me, and I'm in you, Father. Family, listen to me. For people or anything or anybody, go read Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If somebody wants to separate you from Christ, they'll have to separate Christ from God the Father, and that's never going to happen. You need revelation to see what God has done for you. So your spirit has been justified. It's the part that cannot sin. Your soul, the Bible says, your mind has to be renewed. James says, receive. It's part of our confession, our declaration. Receive with meekness the word of God that is living, that is able, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that brings life, receive it with meekness into your heart. Because when you receive it into your heart, your spirit, it will start to save your soul. Your way of thinking will start to change. So when you allow the word of God to become an integral part Of yourself, I mean, you receive it with meekness into your heart. By its very nature, it will start to change your way of thinking, your way of acting, your way of doing things. Can you see the importance to allow the Word of God to dominate your heart? Because it affects your thinking. So now the Word of God starts to renew your mind. And one day, when you cross over, your body will be glorified. So spirit is justified, just as if I've never sinned. That's the portion where you find yourself in Christ, and Christ is in you. But when you are in Christ, and God the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus' righteousness. There's one person that was highly favored. That was Jesus Christ, the beauty of heaven. And when you are in Christ Jesus, you've become a highly favored one. Can you see the need to be born again? Turn to the person next to you and say, you must be born again. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he was concerned about the fact that people did not believe. He was concerned about it. Remember when he met the father that came whose son was demon-possessed, something that's serious. This boy needs deliverance. The disciples could not deliver him. Talks about this faithless generation. We live in a faithless generation. People know all the truth here. The church has been educated beyond her obedience. She knows everything here. But she's not doing any of it because she's not believing it here. But if you believe it here, you'll start to speak it. You'll start to do it. It's a struggle between light and darkness. It says, how long do I have to put up with you, this faithless generation? When will you start believing that I'm the Christ? When will you start believing that all things are possible? Jesus was disappointed that they did not have the faith to believe that he is who he said he is. But that father, when that father came to Jesus... And he acknowledged his weakness. Remember when Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. What was he saying? He was saying, I believe you can do it. That's the church. We believe God can do it. If you're saying, do you believe God can heal? I believe God can heal. Do you believe God can help? I believe God can help. Do you believe God can? Yes. But I just don't believe that God wants to do it for me. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here this morning. When the Father came to Jesus and he said, I believe, help my unbelief, what did Jesus do? Jesus helped him. So even when it feels like you don't have faith, Have the heart and the attitude of David in humility and sincerity of heart to say, Lord, I believe that you can do it. I believe that all things are possible. Help my unbelief. And you're going to see God will help you. Family, today it takes faith to break loose from the crowd of unbelief. It takes faith to break loose from that crowd that's filled with unbelief. Everything is possible for those who believe. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be the worst sinner or you can be the best person on this earth. You still have to be born again. Jesus wants to be your savior. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be your redeemer. Many of us in the church talking about the greater church. We want all the benefits of the Holy Spirit. We want all the benefits of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to surrender to him completely. Because what would happen if you surrendered to him completely? David knew, Old Covenant, Old Testament, David knew that he was not a giant slayer. He knew the things that could affect his relationship with God. Remember in Psalm 66, he said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my praise." He says, But Lord, I know that you hear my prayers. I know that you hear my prayers. He says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, I know you will not hear my prayers. But I know you hear my prayers. Why? Because it's not based upon what we do but what Jesus Christ has done. He said, you've attended to the voice of my prayer, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, that even when I make mistakes, I cry out to you, I know that you will hear me. Amen? Family, this is good news. That means God is treating you, dealing with us according to his mercy and his grace. That when you've messed up, when people mess up, hurt us, disappoint us, what do we do? We cut them out of our, you don't take their call, you blue tick them. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Jesus never blue ticks us, amen. (laughs) It's a blue heaven that's always open. But David realized in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, do not let your Holy Spirit depart from me. Do not let your Holy Spirit leave me. Because in the old covenant, if they sinned, they were disconnected from God's presence. And David knew he was not a giant slayer. He knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit that disposed of giants in his life. He knew he faced the lion and the bear because of God's presence that was with him. Just think for one minute a lion. And it cannot be a young lion, but a lion that's old enough to grab a lamb is a dangerous lion. 16-year-old boy just said, "Uh uh-uh, that's mine. I'm looking after it. And God helped him to get that lamb out of the lion's mouth. That's why when David was on the battlefield, he said, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. This giant, I'm going to kill him as well. Why? Because he knew it was the same anointing, the same Holy Spirit, that helped him with the lion and the bear it's going to help him with this giant david had faith in god david had faith in god mark 11:22 says have faith in god i want to encourage you trust in the lord jesus christ the bible teaches us that the substance of our faith is jesus christ himself do you know how much God values this? I'm not going to teach on this, but we serve the invincible God of power and might. Yet God in everything said, I want you to be able to touch the body. I want you to be able to drink my blood. Took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my flesh. Do this as often as you bring my death into remembrance. Eat. This is my body. So family, when you take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, see it as Christ that you are eating. I'm not saying that the Bible says, Jesus said, this is my body. He wanted you to see the substance so that your faith would be lifted. He said, this is my blood. This is the so that you can drink it and know that I'm drinking this better covenant with better promises. That you would know how real God is. That the natural and the spiritual world, they are this close, but yet they are apart. It's the word of God that brings separation between soul and spirit. Jesus wants to be your guide. He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be The one that's going to show you the more excellent way. When Lazarus died, Jesus was in control. Mary got angry instead of demonstrating her faith. The good news is even in her anger, she said, I believe. And it was that that changed everything Where a miracle was done. In a time like this where you might be frustrated. You might be angry. Let your confession be one that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That you believe Jesus is your healer. There are many things that can make us angry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that had to go into the fiery furnace. It's wrong. But they held on to their confession. They said, King, whether our God delivers us or not, he's our deliverer. We're not going to let this change our focus or our confession. Because Jesus is moved by faith. When she said, I believe, Jesus was moved. Faith is the thing that moves God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you have to be born again. There's a need to be born again. Jesus, when he saw them weeping, the Bible says Jesus wept. Family, I want to tell you something. Heaven is aware of what you are going through. The pain that you are going through, the sorrow that you are going through, whatever you are going through, heaven is aware of what you are going through. Heaven can feel what you are feeling right now. But it's not your anger that will move God. It's your faith. God blesses those with a pure heart. I want to close with this. As a Christian... It's required of us to worship God in spirit and in truth. It means we have to worship God from our hearts. For us to be able to see God, it's required of us that our heart should be pure. The one who sanctifies our heart, the one who cleanses our heart, is the Holy Spirit. It's the first work of the Holy Spirit when He raises your spirit up, links you up with God. He sanctifies you. He justifies you. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But how many Christians have truly surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Say, we want the working of the Holy Spirit. We want the benefits of the Holy Spirit. But are you ready to surrender to the Holy Spirit? Let me rephrase it. Are you ready to be possessed by the Holy Spirit? Because if you are possessed by the Holy Spirit, everything about you will change. Everything. What God hates, you'll start hating it. Can you see the need for the help of the Holy Spirit? You'll view everything in the light of God's Word, or you'll see everything the way that the Holy Spirit sees it. When the Holy Spirit possesses you, everything will change. Everything will change. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you want the Holy Spirit to come and saturate every part of your being, body, soul, and spirit? Well, the Bible teaches us in the book of Luke that you're going to have to ask. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to come and just grab you. You invite him and you say, Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon me. I invite you into my heart. Amen. with me in in your Bibles to Galatians 3 verse 2. I want to take you through this process that you can see. Are you ready? Can you imagine a church filled with the Holy Spirit being led by the Holy Spirit, the fire of God upon them, going out into a dying world that's full of darkness with the light of God? It was 120 people that were baptized with the Holy Spirit that changed the world the right side up. That's what God wants. But we have to invite him into our lives. Galatians 3. Where is Galatians in this Bible of mine? Here we go. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So family, by putting more laws on yourself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's not going to bring the Holy Spirit. Not laws. I'm going to read more Bible. I'm going to fast more. It's not the way to do it. It's good to read more Bible. It's good to fast. But it's not the law. The Pharisees fasted three times a week, didn't bring the Holy Spirit. They knew the first four, five books off by heart, didn't bring the Holy Spirit. It says here, you receive the Holy Spirit by the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. Romans 10 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So if you want more of the working of the Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say? He says, My word is spirit and it's life. Have a desire in your heart for God's word and for his holiness. A prayer that we can pray, say, Lord, Act in me that my thoughts will be holy. Act in me that my words will be holy. Act in me that my deeds will be holy. Holy Spirit, help me that I can live a holy life well-pleasing in God's sight. If you try and live a holy life without the help of the Holy Spirit, you're doing it in your own strength. So he says, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, it's by hearing faith knowing that God is who he said he is, knowing that Jesus Christ died, that he said, I'm going to send the helper and the comforter. Lastly, Acts 5 verse 32, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. For you to experience more of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, become obedient to God's word. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. When we do that, everything will start to change in our lives. We'll find ourselves acting with God, walking with God, being led by the Holy Spirit. This is what God requires of us. The good news is, family, you don't have to do this in your own strength. God has done it for you and me. Don't look at yourself. But look to Jesus where the price was paid. When you make a mistake, foolish people run away from God. But those that are filled with the wisdom of God, they know that when they make a mistake, they can run to Jesus and say, please forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, where I've made a mistake. Be my strength. Be my shield. Be my exceedingly great reward. Get me through this, O Lord. Can you see the need every day to pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me. Help me to live a holy life well-pleasing in God's sight. Help me, Lord, to keep my heart pure. When there's offenses around me every day, oh Lord, help me not to take offense. Help me to be quick to forgive.